0: There is a misconception about crying that it's a display of weakness or something to be ashamed of. Pastor Ed Taylor says you really shouldn't feel that way. And
1: here's why. Men and women, it's okay to cry. And it's okay to cry openly. And it's okay to cry in front of people. The Lord gives you permission today. Real men, real women do cry when they're hurting. And I just am struck by the fact that Jesus wept. You know, three times Jesus wept. Or three times Jesus cried in the scriptures. There's this one here over the death of Lazarus. Luke chapter 19, verse 41, he's cried over the city of Jerusalem and their unwillingness to receive their Messiah. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 39, he cried in the garden of Gethsemane as he wrestled with the reality of his soon crucifixion.
0: This is amazing
1: grace. This is a
0: Done for me when you're experiencing a crisis and in deep pain the grief that follows can be overwhelming it can be hard to process what's happening and why but it is helpful to know that jesus understands what you're going through in fact we'll learn today on abounding grace that he cried as well pastor ed taylor believes that to be significant and he'll explain why in just a second If you need to leave us early, just stop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. And now let's dive into John chapter 11 for part two of Jesus Cried.
1: Verse 29, as soon as she heard that, she arose, speaking of Mary, quickly came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Again, I think John is telling us there's a little bit of time going on here. Jesus hadn't come all the way into the town, so he's on the outskirts. And so there's some running time back and forth here. And there he is, she hasn't, he hasn't come in, and it says in verse 31, Then the Jews, who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Now that's interesting. And I want you to answer this out loud with me. You have permission to talk to me right now. She said, they said, they see Mary get up, take off, And those that are with her say, she is going to the tomb to weep there. Is she going to the tomb to weep there? Yes or no? No. No. So this teaches us a lesson. And that's simply this. People watching our lives will often misunderstand us. Especially when we're grappling with some tough time in our lives. Don't be surprised by it. They'll misunderstand. They see this all going And they immediately come to a conclusion that isn't true. She's not going to the place of death. She's going to the place of life. I love how they care for her. And I love how they follow her. But they're wrong. And there'll just be times in your life, especially when you're in the midst of a crisis, perhaps it's even in the midst of grief, where people will misunderstand you. Well, they'll come to the wrong conclusion concerning you. And then one thing you'll notice in your relationship with Jesus is the longer you walk with Jesus, the more often people will misunderstand you. Where, you know, they think they know everything that's going on, or they see some things and they say, well, you're doing this, and they're just wrong. And I can't think of anyone in this room that hasn't made that mistake at one time or another in their lives. We all have. We've all had misunderstandings. And we need to learn how to make room for other people's misunderstandings and not to take them so personally. Just learn to take things spiritually. Or another way I share, and especially those that serve in the ministry, is just learn how to have a thick skin and keep a soft heart. <laughs> this, instead, I see so many people the other way. They have, they have a really soft skin, so everything bothers them, and they have a hard heart, and that just doesn't make for a real vibrant, fruitful Christian. But are you in a crisis right now? Are you in deep pain and sorrow? Just understand, people are going to misunderstand you. They're going to come to wrong conclusions. Now, I'm not talking about the gossips or the slanderers. I'm not talking about them at all. Because gossips and slanderers, they actually know the truth and purposely lie about you. That's not what I'm talking about. That's a whole different category and a whole different Bible study altogether. Uh, That's not a misunderstanding. Those that lie and gossip about you, they know the truth, but they refuse to acknowledge it and spread lies about you. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about really genuine, sincere people that watch your life, But they come to the wrong conclusion. They see her get up so quickly. Oh, look, she's so full of of emotion. She must be going to the tomb. No, she was actually going to Jesus. Now, to take that just one step down, I would say this stepping aside from grief for a second or any crisis in your life, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're going to be misunderstood people just aren't going to understand you. They're not going to understand that you respond to things in prayer. They're not going to understand why you answer things with a Bible scripture. They're not going to understand how you don't party with them anymore. Or you choose to live an upright moral life as you see it in the scriptures. They're not going to understand you, especially those of you that maybe walk into the room right now or, or you've come here for the first time and you've lived your whole life for the things of this world and for yourself and you respond to the gospels. I'm going to give you a chance in just a moment to respond to the good news that God wants to forgive your sins. He sent jesus christ to die for you he rose again and if by faith in him your life can be radically changed and then you go back to work tomorrow that way and you're completely different i mean completely different now you're going to grow up in the things but you're completely different and so now at work those guys they weren't in church this weekend they haven't changed you've worked with them for 20 years and you're different and they're not so what's going to happen they're going to see the change in your life and some of them are going to make fun of you some of them are going to pick at you and prod at you. Some of them are going to call you names. I remember the first time somebody called me Bible Boy. Bible Boy, all right. Or somebody called me a Holy Roller. I didn't even know what it was. Holy Roller, what is that? Well, I looked it up. And it refers to a group of people that uh, in the hyper-Pentecostal churches that like to go up and down the aisles and roll down the aisles. They were known as Holy Rollers. Wow, Nice nice. I haven't rolled down an aisle in a long time. (laughs) But they'll just pick at you and prod at you and and they'll make fun of you and, and all for the reason because you love Jesus. They misunderstand you. They don't get it. Their eyes are blinded. Don't be surprised by it. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said that blessed are those that are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So they persecuted the prophets that were before you. Now, verse 32. Then, when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord... If you had been here, my brother would not have died. You remember verse 21? Martha said the same exact thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now we get a little insight to the conversations they've been having the last few days. What they've been thinking about together. What it's been like in the home. A big topic of their thought was if Jesus would have been here, this wouldn't be happening. And they're asking him. They're sharing and expressing themselves. Verse 33. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And verse 35, Jesus wept. The emotion of Jesus, do you see it? It says in verse 33, he's groaning. In verse 33, it says he's troubled. Now mark that word troubled because this is a word that means anger. Anger. He's angry. Another way of translating this Greek word is indignant. Or even one translation I found, snort with anger. So he's groaning, that internal groaning. You know how you feel when you start groaning. And then there's the anger. And then at the end in verse 35, there's the weeping. So Jesus is a very emotional person as he sees all that's going on in Bethany with his friends. Now, verse 35 is important because men, I want to speak to you just for a moment because I think many of us as men, we grew up in an atmosphere, in a culture that said, boys don't cry, or men don't cry, or real men don't cry. Listen, this is an example of a real man, and this real man is crying at the effects of all that's going on around him. Not only is he crying, but the idea of this word wept Means to weep like they are, weeping bitterly and painfully. He feels their pain. It literally means to wail out loud. And Jesus here is expressing his emotion. It's more than just the trivia. Uh, question answer. Although this is often the trivia, you'll come up. This verse will be used often. What's the shortest verse in the Bible? And in the English translation, this is it: Jesus wept. But it's much more. Uh, it's no trivial thing to weep at the loss of a loved one or the loss with someone. This is a serious time that we're gaining insight to the heart of our Savior, who loves us and cares for us in our deepest pain, no matter the source. What was Jesus upset about? Well, I mean, I don't think he's mad at Mary or Martha, or the mourners. I don't think he's upset with that. I think he's upset with what the enemy has done. Because he, if anyone on the planet, could remember the creation. He created Adam and Eve. He created the garden. The Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created Adam and Eve, placed them in a pristine garden to live in unity and fellowship with Him, And yet sin created so much havoc and damage. And tears would often flow at the the damage of death. Anyone that has ever experienced death of a close loved one or a friend, you know, you don't need me to explain it to you. Death is an enemy, an enemy that Jesus conquered. Jesus conquered sin and death, but death is no friend of ours. It's an enemy. It wasn't a part of God's original design. Death and decay did not come before the fall of Adam and Eve. And the pain of everyone that's going, he's upset what the enemy has done, he's hurting with the, those that are crying and weeping, the Jews are mourning, Martha's crying, Mary's crying, Jesus is crying. And you might want to just take that in. Jesus, your Savior, is crying. It's okay to cry. And I know that there are different ways to express emotion. And there's primarily two ways to express emotion. Some of you are very expressive outwardly with your emotion. Um, they have a saying for that. They say, you know, that somebody wears their emotions on their sleeves. Or you can just see it in their face. You can just see, hey, today's a great day. Today's not a such a great day because you're an expressive person. And because you're expressive, it's easier for us to read you and really tell what you're facing, what you're going through. And it's okay to be expressive. Please continue to express yourself. And don't worry about people misunderstanding you or coming to conclusions about you you just express yourself in the lord now still others are not so quite expressive you process things inwardly uh, and you just kind of do it and deal with it on a personal level and and it's harder to read you at times it's harder for us to tell what you're going through it's harder you know if you're married might even be a tension in your marriage because your spouse wants you to express more and you're learning how to do that because you just you grew up in a home where that really wasn't, where you just didn't do that. And being an inward expressive person is not a bad thing either. If that's how God has made you, you just need to learn how to be more communicative. That's all. And, and that's something that God can teach you. But let me warn you, for those of you that express inwardly, can I just add a warning to you that expressing emotions inwardly is one thing, but pushing things down and refusing to deal with them is not expressing emotion it's only going to get worse you can't press my dad was like that and i just watched him over the years he would always press everything down and there there come a breaking point in his life and it was very painful for him i mean it was more painful than just expressing the things and so i watched him my mom was much more expressive so she was able to handle things right away And I'm sure you have some experience in your family relations, your friends that do that as well. So, Jesus, we see here, is an outward, he both expressed it inwardly with the groan, but he also expressed it outwardly with the weeping. And men and women, it's okay to cry. And it's okay to cry openly. And it's okay to cry in front of people. And it's okay. I just, the Lord gives you permission today. Real men, real women do cry when they're hurting. And I just am struck by. The fact that Jesus wept. You know, three times Jesus wept. Or three times Jesus cried in the scriptures. There's this one here, over the death of Lazarus. Luke chapter 19, verse 41. He's cried over the city of Jerusalem and their unwillingness to receive their Messiah. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 39, he cried in the garden of Gethsemane as he wrestled with the reality of his soon crucifixion and the damage. Each time he cried, you'll notice he's always weeping or crying at the effects of sin and what it's done to people's lives. We would do well to follow in the footsteps of our Savior. Let's close in Psalm 56. Would you, would you turn over there? Psalm 56. I know we haven't turned, but we're turning now. Psalm 56. I wanna draw your attention to verse eight because not only did Jesus shed tears, that our Savior had tears running down his face as he stands there groaning As he stands there with anger, as he stands there watching what the enemy has done, seeing the hurt that sin has caused, angry at sin, weeping with those that have been affected by sin. We're reminded too that Jesus cares for you and me. When you cry, he cries. Jesus is hurt when you're hurt. Peter knew this and he wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 6, therefore, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Notice this, verse 8. Psalm 56. David writes, You number my wanderings. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. Verse 10. In God I will praise his word. In the Lord I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And we just step back for a second and say, thank you, David, for expressing in the psalm what so many of us have felt so many other times. We need to remember that God cares for us. David, he makes a very precious observation as he himself is spending time worrying and wondering and even buckling under the difficulty in his life. He's wondering if God will deliver him. He's worrying if God is going to provide for him. He's wondering if God is going to come through for him. And he says, you number my wanderings. He says, you put my tears into a bottle. Are they not in your book? I mean, isn't that sweet? Jesus takes account of all of our wanderings, as we're running around trying to fix things and get things in order. He weeps as we weep over the effects of sin. Jesus catches every single tear that we've ever wept. You go to Israel with us, you can get these little tear bottles where they're a memorial of this. They're a a memorial item that you can take and, and they're remembered. They're to remind you that Jesus takes your tears. I mean, can you think about that? Think about that for a second. How many people in your life do you allow to touch your face? a couple maybe, right? Parents, a close relative, your kids. I mean, really, not just touch it like this. You know, I let everybody touch it like this. But I mean, to take and cup a face like you do with a child, to come down on their level. I mean, because that's what you're going to need to catch the tears. You're going to have to put the bottle right up on the face, and it's going to have to drop down the face. And so you've got somebody that's so close and so intimate. Like, we don't let very many people touch our face. Think about it. You, You have a circle around you nobody sees it but you have your own personal space you guys have your own personal space or is that just me like it's and does some people break into your personal space at times and you're like, whoa, whoa, a little too close, a little too close, and, and you verbalize that some way, but, but there are people that you let into your personal space no matter what, any day, day or night, wake you up, kiss you on the cheek, touch you, and, and the intimacy that's being described by David here is extraordinary of the int- intimacy of God. Not only does he, does he have that access to personally touch us and comfort us, but he takes and he collects our tears. Do you collect your tears? I don't collect my tears. In the last two years, I'd have to get a couple of those big water things, and they, we would just be filling up. We call them sparklets jugs in California, but whatever the water company here, you know the big five-gallon plastic. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. All right, so you think about it. If you came to my house, I'd have a hundred of those all over the house, and you'd say, I'm thirsty. Can I get some water? No, don't touch that water. That's nasty water. <laughs> it's tears. And you're like, what are you collecting your tears for? I can't even. I don't, you know, he says he numbers my wanderings. You know, in the last two years, of our lives. Uh, I've taken up journaling. I'm not a journaling kind of person, but I found that it's been a great relief in my life to wake up every morning and write down what's on my heart, write, write it down, just get it out in my prayer time so I can start the day just fresh before the Lord, write down any weird nightmare I've had or anything. I, I, even in my journaling, I don't do it every day. Um, I try to, but I don't do it every day. I haven't even kept track of every time I've cried. I have no idea. The small times, the big times, I really don't know. But I can tell you this, and Marie was, in, was here last night, so I didn't share this part, but she's not here today, so I can share it. She might be listening on the radio. Honey, I love you very much. Um, I can tell you this. I bet you if I went back and looked at all my journal entries, and I looked for this in particular, I have written down and I have numbered the pain of my wife, especially the episodes where she would wake me up in the middle of the night, and I would be awakened and startled out of sleep, and my poor wife next to me is crying in her sleep, sound asleep and weeping in her sleep. I've never experienced that before, not only with the loss of our son, but the ongoing trials of our lives. And I can tell you this, I care and love my wife more than myself, and I have kept track of hers. I haven't been catching her tears, but we, we cry enough together that, that you know, the Lord will take care of us just like he takes care of you So don't miss the reality of Jesus crying with you and for you, alongside of you, keeping track of you even when you don't keep track of yourself. Why? Because he cares for you. He loves you.
0: Thanks for joining us today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Tanner. You'll find us on the web at aboundinggraceradio.com. It's there you can replay any program you enjoy. We've also made it super easy to donate to the ministry through our website and contact us too. Speaking of which, we'd sure like to hear from you. Let us know what you think of our current study and if you're finding these daily studies helpful to your walk. We'd also very much appreciate your support as we present Abounding Grace here over the radio and internet. Again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, Pastor Ed, it is possible someone listening right now is in the midst of grief. Can you give them some practical steps on what to do and where to turn at such times? I know there's a tendency to withdraw and go into isolation, but is that wise?
1: Well, Larry, grief, I'm such a deep and wide subject filled with all sorts of feelings and emotions and decisions. And if you're grieving right now, let me just start by saying the Lord is with you. He understands your pain. And even as we're learning with Jesus, he expresses even the same emotions and pain with you. And he is with you. And when I think of the overwhelming feelings of grief, whether it's brand new or it's been many years, I would encourage you, no big decisions while you're grieving. Don't make any big life decisions. Quit my job. Leave my marriage. um, Move to another state. uh, Move. Big decisions. But wait. Please, no big decisions. Secondly, I would encourage you to start journaling. Even, and don't let that scare you. I've never been a journaler my whole life until after my son passed away. And I began to write down all my emotions. I began to write down my feelings. I began to write down all the details surrounding my son's collapse and hospital time and all those decisions and such, writing them all down so that I wouldn't forget them, so that they could get out of my mind and be permanently etched on paper, and that I could become it could become a prayer journal of all the situations uh, that are around. So begin, don't let journaling, uh, especially you guys, it's like, well, you know, that's what women do. No, no, no. Um, You know, whether you want to call it journaling or not, just write things down and just get them out. You can even, you know, sometimes I'll just write, uh, it's prayer, hey God, this is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm thinking, this happened today, this phone call came in, this weird Facebook post was on there and just kind of timestamp it, then I can move on. Timestamp it, then I can move on. And another thing is to stay in the Word and pick up some resources on grief. I wrote a book called Help for the Troubled Heart. I think will be very helpful. I wrote a little mini book called You'll Make It Through. I know that will be very helpful. I've got some great resources on depression. Uh, the Grief Share Ministry. You can go to griefshare.org. Excellent resources. You might even be able to find a group near you. Um, and yeah, don't isolate uh, I also write on grief uh, on my website, edtaylor.org, edtaylor.org, and there's like eight pages of articles on the topic of grief, pain, depression, and, I, and really it's kind of like my journal uh, edited for blog form, just like, hey, this is what I was thinking, this is what the Lord showed me in His Word, uh, but stay close to Him. He loves you.
0: Good counsel there. Thanks, Ed. Today, we want to suggest a book that can help take your prayer life up to the next level. It's E.M. Bounds on Prayer. These reflections on prayer have been treasured for well over a 100 years. When you read about the powerful ways God works through prayer, you'll understand why this book has been so well-received. We'll send you a copy of E.M. Bounds on Prayer as our thank you for your donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Just call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's toll free, 877 30 GRACE. You can also order it through our e store at calvaryco.store. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you next time, and may God richly bless you with His Abounding Grace. This is
1: amazing grace.
0: and Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.